This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Of the psychological game that we will have. And him never talked. I was just about we to say that. Talked, <laughs> we rarely talked to each other. It was so, it was like, Pat not going to say nothing to me. I'm not going to say nothing to Pat. Pat going to grab me. I'm going to push off. Hey, ref, you saw that. And it was so much respect, man. It was always right. it was always fun and irritating going against your good ass. Yo, what's happening? Welcome to All Things Covered with Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. The name says it all. If you like what you hear, download and subscribe and make sure you leave us a five-star rating. Smash that five-star rating button for us. We appreciate it. You can also watch us on YouTube. Just visit youtube.com slash all things covered. Pat P, what are we going to cover on this episode? Man, Mac, you know we got to talk about the divisional rounds. It was some entertaining football, crazy, crazy moments that we're going to have an opportunity to chat about. But most intriguing, we get the opportunity to talk to one of the toughest receivers of all time. I had an opportunity to go up against this guy. I'm sure you had an opportunity to go up against this guy because he's a 16-year vet. No That's question. right, 16-year vet Steve Smith Sr. coming near you very, very soon. So stay tuned. Yo, guys, you know what time it is. First quarter, it's time to chop it up, chop it up. We're going to chop some things up with you guys. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, moving pieces right now in the National Football League with a lot of new coaches uh, getting hired, new faces in new places. And we had this conversation with Steve Smith. Make sure you, uh, Steve Smith Sr., make sure you stay tuned. He talked about one of the more influential football minds throughout his career uh, that he crossed paths with at Santa Monica College before he attended Utah. And, Pat P., you've been around the game of football for a long, long time. You know, when you look at some of the more influential people that you've been around in the game of football, doesn't necessarily have to be in the professional world, but just in football alone. You know, who are, who are, more, who are some of the, the most important people in your life that kind of guided you to where you currently are in your football realm? Man, I tell you this all the time. You, for sure. You're one of them. I have an opportunity to be, you know, a 16-year-old kid. I have an opportunity to watch his big cousin, you know, at 21 years old, fulfill his dreams, watch the work ethic, you know, watch, you know, the dedication and the time that you had to uh, share with to your game. <clears throat> so you, for one, you know what I mean? You just showed me a ton of ropes because, you know, I think I would always tell guys a, a, a lot, as well, I believe I was in, I was in the NFL before I was actually in the NFL. You know what I mean? Having an opportunity to hang out with you and be around yeah. with you in that in that life, and and when I got here, it was almost like second. He's like, oh, I saw that. Like I I've been through that when I was sixteen, seventeen years old. So, yeah. two for one. Growing up, my dad, you know, my dad is, you know, well, you know, my pop's been in my life since since day one. When it comes mm-hmm. to you know football, far as the the work ethic, far as you know preparation the grind that has to go into the game you two guys are sure but on the uh, like on the professional aspect um I probably have to say and I, I didn't have a, a very long time to spend with him but he recruited me when he was with the Miami Dolphins is coach Bowles Todd Bowles Todd Bowles okay 
Yeah, I feel like Coach Bowles definitely helped me shape my game into what it is now. Coach Bowles had the opportunity to, to coach me, you know, year three and four. And with Bo Coach Bowles being, you know, a defensive back, you know, played at a high level in this league and, you know, been around a lot of great defensive backs and, you know, just gave me a, a bunch of bunch of nuggets on, you know, how to work, how to be a professional, how to study, um, how to practice, you know, just small things like that. So, you know, Coach Bowles definitely, um, you know, I, I tell him all the time, every time I get an opportunity to see him, I, I just, I wish I get an opportunity to play with him again because Coach Bowles definitely, he's a, he's a special, special football-minded uh, coach. And I, I definitely cherish all the moments that we had the opportunity to uh, spend together. Do you think Todd Bowles should be uh, a head coach? Should he get another opportunity to be no a head coach? I, I, he's I think he's interviewing with the Eagles, if I'm not mistaken. So, With the Eagles? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. they fired um, Doug? Yeah, they fired Doug Peterson. When that happened? Man, I was on vacation, man. I was yeah, in jail, man, this weekend. When that happened? <laughs> man, they fired Damn. Doug, I think, last week, if not mistaken. Yeah. Oh. Last Monday. Last Monday, man. they fired Doug. Y'all just heard it here first. P2 just heard it on all things covered. That no Doug... question. You, be, you are <laughs> hey, you in off-season mode. You, I, hey, I know when you get in off-season mode, man, you're going to be in the air more, you gonna, more than you're going to be on the dry land. So. Oh, man, how crazy is that, man? <laughs> Hey, you you were like with the Eagles. <laughs> hey, that was breaking news, huh? No doubt about it. <laughs> it said with oh, the Eagles. Man. So wait, Tommy, let's recap, man. What what jobs are all open right now? I saw Atlanta just hired uh, Arthur Smith. Uh, Arthur Smith. So yeah. what, what what jobs? The Jets. Are let's, let's the, Jets, back. the, Jets? the Jets hired uh, Robert Salah from the. I saw that. Yep. From uh, the Forty Niners, uh, Jacksonville got Urban Meyer. Oh, they did. Yeah, they got Urban Meyer oh, also. Oh man, I, I I knew Urban was talking about coming out of retirement. That's big. He's going back to yeah. his roots in Florida. Okay. Detroit is looking like they're going to get uh Campbell, uh the tight ends coach from the Saints. Oh yeah, he's he's been he's been interviewing yeah. a lot over the Ch last couple. Chargers of years. got Brandon Staley, the line the DB the DC from the Rams. Oh, he came up quick. Quick, okay. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's, when you coach, when you coach with Sean McVay, you're gonna come up quick. So that, oh, yeah, man, he came up quick. All and right, so, so the only, the only vacancies left, the Texans and Philly. um and Philly. Okay, so Texas. you got you got Tom Bowles. He he's interviewing with the Eagles. Man, you, I won't be surprised though. Is my man Eric the enemy? Yeah, is he interview? I think that'd be a great job. He, he, he's not gonna get a job. He's he's not, he's not gonna he's happen. We're we gonna talk. That? We go. We gonna talk about that a little later in the show, but it probably won't happen. Uh, well, you know, the Texans are trying to interview him now, but it's like that's a sympathy gesture, I think, because Deshaun Watson got mad at them. Yeah, I did yeah. see that. I was, I was up on that. He said, "Oh, you up on that? Right oh, you up, I'm on, up that. on that? Yeah, I'm up on that. <laughs> I just, I just Fat, wasn't up on the coaching. The Fat coaching. Please say the man. Eagles. <laughs> yeah, I just wasn't up on. I'm up on everything as far as the games, but I was not up on the uh, the Eagles firing Doug. I, that's that's shocking news. To me. Doug is out of there. Last Monday they told Doug uh, kick rocks. He got to go because they. I know they. Dang. All right. Yeah. Just keep chopping well, it up. That's that's, <laughs> hey, that's what we do here. Chopping it up. We also break big time news. So. Yeah, that that that's we, you, you got Todd Bowles. He might get that opportunity. But, yeah, going back to Todd Bowles, I think he definitely is deserving of a a, a hit because you know look at the the what he had in, in New York. Yeah, the Jets. You know, but had didn't have much talent, but he still was able to make it. You know, I think his last year was probably his worst year, bit bit with a lot of injuries. But his first two years, he was rolling, mm -hmm. and and he was rolling with what he had. You know what I mean? And you know, we don't have to. Jamal actually told us a little bit, you know, about the uh, the front office. So. You know, I heard a couple of stories too. I don't want to get into that, but 
you know, it, it you know, it, that the organizational awards ran a little different. So, um, yeah. I think I think Coach Bowles is definitely worthy enough for another head coaching job. Well, every day it seems like there will be some breaking news when it comes to these head coaching opportunities. So, as long as you're here with us on dry land, you be <laughs> you be cut up to just speed. On, hey, just on the weekends, man. Weekends, <laughs> go, man. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Now it's time for around the league. And like Pat mentioned, man, in the intro, man, divisional weekend was unbelievable. Yeah, it was man. a lot of top tier like football that I watch, that I know you guys watch, that are currently are. watching us here, all things covered, and listening to us. And the first game I would like to highlight, uh, AFC matchup. Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Cleveland Browns. Kansas mm-hmm. City won 27 to 17. They did not cover cover uh they were given 10 points to the cleveland browns and i picked the browns to uh cover that matchup and they came through for me uh one of the big uh 22 17 one of the big highlights in that ball game right before halftime pat rashard higgins uh they were driving the browns were driving i think at that time they were down 16-3 16-3 they were down 16-3 and remember like i said they won the ball game kansas city won 22 to 17 uh, they were down 16-3 right before half, and they were receiving the second half kickoff after halftime. The Browns were Rashard Higgins, Hollywood Higgins, what they call him, big-time contributor to the offense, caught a pass, tried to extend, got hit by Sorensen, ball goes out of the end zone, end zone. automatic yep. touchback. touchback. Kansas City gets the ball, drive down, added three points uh, to the score. Go into halftime 19-3. That was a turning point in the ball game, in my opinion. Right about there are a lot of people who watch that ball game, but basically saying the NFL need to change the rules. They were complaining what? about if you fumble the football and it goes out of the end zone, the team that fumbled the football should receive the ball back at the 20-yard line. A lot of people are no. saying this is the worst. Hear me out. Folks are saying this is the worst rule in football. So me personally, I got I, I have my opinion about it. I want to hear your opinion about it. I know the people are listening to us, watching us. They have their opinion about it as well. And if you want to, if you want to join into this conversation, tweet us, send us a message. You know, I know you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, whatever the case may be. But let us hear your your viewpoints. But Pat, what's your thought process about changing that rule? First of all, that's not the worst call in the NFL. The worst call in the NFL is a spot foul for a, P, a pass. And you've defense. talked about that before on the show, so I know that is. The worst call by far in the NFL. But by uh, going back to changing the rule with fumbling the ball through the end zone, now nah, that's a touchback. <laughs> yeah, it can't it can't go back to this one. You lost possession, so if it goes out of bounds, you get the ball back. With out of bounds in the field of play, you get the ball back there. But if it goes through the end zone, out of end zone, yeah, that's what out I'm the end zone, that's a touchback. Yeah, I'm like yeah, this yeah, yeah. That's not that's not no, that's not a bad rule. That's just the rule of the rule. It cannot yeah, it cannot go through. The, the end zone. It's been like that since football started. And and me personally, you know, you play defense. You play defense. I play defense. There are so many rules catered to the offensive side already as it is. Mm. I feel like you should not be rewarded for fumbling the football. No. It should, it, especially yeah. if a defender knocked you loose from the – it was a great yeah. play by Storms. hell of a – If the ball goes out of the end zone, that's your fault. How the, how the refs do it? Yes. Yes. If it goes out of the end zone, that's a touchback. Like, people are complaining about, oh, they should change the rule. Why should you be rewarded the football back if you fumbled the football and it went out of the end zone? But there you go, Matt. That goes to show you, the viewers, all they want to see is offense. and All they want to see is points. 
man, that hair, come on, man. Come on. Yeah. So if so why why we don't have these discussion about, you know, the spot file on, on defensive passing? They, they they don't care anything about spot file. They, like they you want said, that. Hey, hey, you broke it down so good. If a PI happens down the football field on the go ball, forty yard down, forty yards mm-hmm. down, why can't they just add it fifteen or ten yards? Like Mac. like like you broke it Prime. down you broke it down you broke it down as good as you could. Prime example last night. Tampa Bay, New Orleans game. I think it was Mike Evans, and I can't remember the DB. I think it was number 23. I can't remember who it was. Uh, Lattimore? No, no, no. It was a Tampa Bay DB. Oh, I can't remember, oh, uh, I, I can't remember I his name. But anyway, he was in the slot. I can't remember. The, I think it was Michael Tom, but Michael Thomas clearly, clearly called, they called holding on the DB, but clearly mm-hmm. came off the line of terms, held my man face mask, got this man face mask all like this year. His jersey, the DB jersey's like this now, right? Mm-hmm. So now, I, now the DB's out of position. So now he got to get back in position to to defend the play because yep. he, the receivers, the receiver, you know, manipulated his body to get in position or whatever. And he, it wasn't like no no tug or no pull or anything. All he did was wrap them to get back in position to knock the ball down. They call they call holding the DB is yeah. he was dead. That was, he was, he Mur- was right. Murphy he, Button. Mur- Murphy Button was the DB. That you're Murphy talking about Button. And he was yep. and he was in he was in great position. And all the DB, all the receiver did was grab his face mask. And it, uh, as he was grabbing his face mask, it came to like the top of his shoulder. And so now he his shoulder is locked to where he can't even put you know finish his jam off. Yeah. So now now his now his arm fall down low. And now he has to wrap himself back in position to try to defend the play. But I'm like, that's what I'm talking about because if you're watching the beginning of the route, watch what the receiver's doing to initiate that. You know, that's just what kills me because it happened. Who we just played, uh, it was against Philly. Man, Alshon Jeffrey was doing that to me. If we can go back and watch the whole game. One time, I had my sleeve on my, on my, L, on my, on my, on my left arm. My he pulled it down. down. Didn't he pull it down? Man, my, my sleeve was down to my wrist, man. I said, "Ref, I, I, I can't undress myself if I'm guarding him." And Pat Peter Ruff said that you had a slack sleeve, ain't had no tightness to it man, no more. It just... man, so, <laughs> there's another thing that I hate too. There's so many things that I hate about the game. So, the, the, in, the, in the same Tampa Bay game, it was uh, 24, and I think he was going up against uh, Carton Davis. Carton Davis was going up against damn who's 17, 17. My, my Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Sanders. Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanders. The ball is on the other side of the field. Yeah, he got legal hands to the face. Yeah, he got legal hands to the face. But it's away from the ball. And it was a third down. It was a third down um, play, and they it, they didn't get it, but they converted after he got legal hands to the face. So now that's away from the play, right? So now the ref, the ref tells me if I get pushed off or I feel like I'm getting held away from the play, he goes, "Oh, that's away from the play. I can't call that, Patrick." So no. what made him call? What made him call that legal hands to the to the face that had nothing to do with the play that was on the other side him. of the field? Made you call that play versus if the receiver were was doing something to me? Man, you, you know it's one sided, and a lot of fans, uh, listeners, you, you're getting some jewels dropped to you because these are things that happen in play that you don't see. You know what I mean? So right. these are things that defensive backs have to go through week in and week out. I'm like, only man. thing I can say about that play in Cleveland, it should have been. Um, targeted because Sorensen did lead with his helmet. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's the only thing that I agree with for some of the spectators are saying yeah. about that play. But touchback should be taken yeah. out of the game. No. If, Pat, if you get an interception and you return it all the way back to the house and someone hits you and the ball goes out of the end zone, guess what? It's a touchback. touchback. A- ally, ally, uh, Ben Watson, Champ Bailey. 
Divisional, uh, divisional might be the uh, greatest, player. one of the greatest hustle plays I've seen in the National Football League. No doubt about it. Yes, yes. Think about that. I didn't hear people complaining then. Oh, they should right. change the rule. Right. No one complained. <laughs> Great point, Pat Pete. When that happened, everybody was applauding Ben Watson for the effort. No doubt, Great deserving effort. so. No, 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 but no. I didn't hear nobody complain. Change the rule. Oh, that's a dumb rule. No, you know why no one complained? Because it was a defender. We the villain, man. The we, we the villain. I tell my guys all the time, man. We the bad guys, man. You the bad guy. No Why question. not embrace it, goddammit? <laughs> Might as well. They don't like you anyway. They don't want to see you just dominate. People get mad when it's a 10-6 ball game. Right. When the defense is they, – they, first thing I hear people say all the time, the score is 7-3 or 10-6. That was, that was a boring it's game. boring. Yeah, Nobody it's a boring game. I love those games. I oh, love that. Game. I love the that ugly matchups. You got to have the ugly matchups. And make it so bad. What makes those games so great – Everything matters when it when yes. the game is that tight. Everything. The smallest matters. mistake. The smallest mistake will not go unheard. And you know what? That goes to show you your preparation. When those yeah. post games, that goes to show how how well you prepare for that game. Because now oh, you but, know but that's every a move that game. they're doing. That's a boring you know, game. Yeah, I remember the Super Bowl uh, with the Rams. In the Patriots, oh, everybody said that was a boring game. That was a slugfest. I mean, that was a great. That was that's what a Super Bowl is all about, man. No, <laughs> you hit me, I hit you. You hit right. me, I hit you. And it, and it was plays made in that game, but it wasn't as big of plays that the fans was accustomed to seeing. No question, man. That hey, the life of a defender, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All things covered. We're gonna transition to the NFC, uh-huh. uh, a place you know extremely well. New Orleans, the Saints lost to the Buccaneers, thirty to twenty. Likely the last game for Drew Brees. And a friend of the show, your homeboy, Tyron Matthew, he tweeted out, being from New Orleans, Drew Brees meant everything to us in that city. At many times, our only hope, you know, to smile and feel good, to live in a winning reality, that man gave us all life. None of us are perfect, but he was close. Salute. Man, hearing that this potentially could be Drew Brees' last game, the National Football League, like I said, you know that area extremely well, going to college there, you know, Mm -hmm. When you were there, what did Drew Brees m- mean to the city? Man, Drew Brees was like God, man. Man, he, <laughs> you know what I'm saying that dude. He, I mean, I mean, he still is. I mean, what he was able to do, you know, like Tyron said, to give those people hope, to help them believe. You know, when they want that Super Bowl, I was actually in school when they want that Super Bowl. So, like, when they won the Super Bowl, it was like, man, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it because I would never forget. I was at Jordan's, uh, Jordan's house when they won it in Miami and just watching and just how just it just seemed like the whole atmosphere just changed instantly. You know what I mean? Because, you know, everything, you know, over the years has been the, like the trash bag, New Orleans Saints, you know, obviously mm-hmm. so many disasters coming through the, the golf in, in Louisiana. And for them to win a Super Bowl, and like you said, uh, that gave them so much life and hope because, believe it or not, man, New Orleans got some diehard fans. Louisiana yes, in general got some diehard fans. So if it's someone like Drew Brees that's, that feel like they have back in them, that gave them much more of a purpose to, you know, to cheer for them because they'd be like, man, that, that guy, he, he's looking out for us. He, he care, he care about us. He's out in the city. He's actually out, you know, in the city helping things become better. So. That dude is like God, man, and there's nothing Drew Brees couldn't do wrong. <laughs> you know, yeah. no matter what what may have came out of his mouth or whatever he may have done, it wasn't nothing Drew Brees can do wrong in the in those New Orleans people's eyes. He will forever be, you know, loved in that city because, you know, of the Hurricane Katrina tragedy. Yeah, and I remember 
I that's why I worked out at for the draft right. in New Orleans, and that was b- before Katrina. And then when that happened, I mean that tragedy kind of took life that's out of New Orleans, the yeah. entire state. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. to say the least. And football is what kind of got the energy back, positive right. vibes back. And I remember mm-hmm. that first home game, like a Monday uh, night against Atlanta. Yeah, you know what I mean. That, that and if I'm not mistaken, I think they won that ball game. But just the mm-hmm. energy in the building yeah. was electric, and I think and that's like when it said, changed. Yeah, and eventually being able to win a championship for that organization and and just Mr. Consistency. I think when I think of Drew Brees, his his career, I think of work probably one of the more efficient, accurate quarterbacks in the, to ever right. do it. You know right. what I mean? One of the more ideal, undersized quarterbacks. His peers were all bigger than him. He wasn't the mm-hmm. the the model quarterback based on his measurements, but up here in the accuracy, oh, yeah. tops, tops. No doubt about it. I, I I know he has a special place, you know, in the hearts of all the natives there in, in New Orleans, and will forever be remembered. Not to mention, he brought a championship to that city. Another NFC matchup, a matchup that we highlighted, we talked about uh, last week: the Packers and the Rams. Mm-hmm. The Packers were giving six and a half. Six mm-hmm. and a half. They were given six and a half. Uh, there was another, I was, yo, Pat P, listen, well, I was hot this week. Oh, yeah. Well, I was hot. I took Buccaneer. I took Tampa getting three. I took Cleveland getting 10. And I took Green Bay giving six and a half. They yeah. covered 32 to 18. One of the matchups that I was looking forward, looking forward to seeing was Devontae Adams. But one thing that I highlighted in the discussion that I had off camera that people were so hyped about this potential matchup one on one, Jalen, Devontae, but I said the scheme would not provide those matchups to yeah, happen as much as I you agree. think because they love to have Devontae at number three wide right. receiver spot. Slot. He's always inside. Or the number two. Yeah. And if he is to the number two to the uh, strength of the offense, usually they will motion him backside. Back to the trip, yep. And they and they did that a lot. And we didn't really see the matchup, the one-on-one opportunities like we thought we would see the volume of opportunities. But I can tell you this much, Adams finished with nine receptions for 66 yards. One touchdown, and the touchdown was basically a, a, a speed release. I mean, on the goal line, uh, it looked like the communication was not there because what happened was, let me break it down to you. They were in, I want to say, 21 personnel. 21 personnel is basically uh, two wide receivers, two running backs, one tight end, one mm-hmm. and two wide receivers, 21 personnel. Devontae motioned from the strength to the, to the weak side to so the boundary. Like they, they started in slot. No, he was to, he was to the strong. It was it was uh so he was to the strong pro. side. Yeah, so pro. pro. So they motioned the they motioned the slot, but what happened was I think it was twenty one. It could have been eleven personnel, one back, okay. one tight end. Okay. But he motioned to the boundary, and right when he got to the end of the line of scrimmage, they hiked the ball. Yeah, he just ran straight out. Ran straight yeah. out. So Jalen was chasing, right? Yeah. And you know, it's a trap. A lot of traffic got to get through. It's like on the two or three yard line. The mm-hmm. traffic and the communication, you know, Pat P, if I'm playing that backside corner and I see you running, I'm locked into my man. Because right. if, we, if we hadn't talked about switching it, I'm going to stay in I'm and you just got to fight through the traffic. But it seemed right. like it was a communication error. And that was the the one big play that Jalen gave up. But in all, it was a pretty good matchup. But right now, those two guys are probably, you know, some of the best to do it at their positions. Right. And Devontae got the last, the last laugh because this team won. And they have advanced to the next round. But one thing I would like to ask you when it comes to that standpoint, and if this is something that you really haven't seen a lot on, on tape, right? Film study. Mm-hmm. Can you make that communication adjustment on the fly? Or oh, yeah. 
because uh, actually the Rams run that same play with uh, with right. Robert Woods. You're right. So what we do is if we're in a dog one or anything like that, or you know, which is straight man to man for for our which listeners, man to man. And but if we're in the red zone, we know we have a free a, a free player, which is a safety. So now we know he getting jet. We gonna we gonna give us a money call right now because the safety got a better angle of attacking that speed out versus me yeah. having to run through all the traffic and try to make that make that play. So mm-hmm. prior to prior to the game, we go through those we go through those film studies of. Because we got to go through Green Bay anyway, because they're a team that will that will go for two. So we're looking at all their two point plays. Yes, yeah. and, and, that, and that is a like that is an ideal two point play, right? Because there's a like a two yard line, two three yard line. So mm-hmm. and you know, so we're looking at all those two point plays, and when those plays come up, it's crazy because, like Steve talked about earlier, looking at those same boring plays on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But yeah. being a pro that I am, I, I watch. You know, I want to watch everything. I want to watch the stuff that the coach is not showing us because that's what pertains to you to being a pro and you being prepared when you step out out there on the field because at the end of the day is is your play what speaks for itself so you know i go through those plays and we'll have a communication it, it, it might not be a play that we go through full speed it might be a play that we just walk through you know yep. we just might just walk through on the friday or the friday before practice or that saturday before the game and mm-hmm. just go through those those little uh, uh answers to to where that you prepare, but that just go that just goes with being a pro. I, I don't know what happened in that particular yeah. moment, but if it was us, I'm sure we would have been some type of dog one with we have a free safety. And as soon as we saw Devontae motion or whatever, we would have uh, uh, had a money call on it. But Jalen was very, very animated, and it seemed like I don't know if the communication was was there or was not there, but he was animated, mm-hmm. and, and it was more it was towards the nearest DB. So I yeah. it seemed like someone <laughs> didn't get the check. But, you know, hey, that's how it happens sometimes. You know, try to yeah. make adjustments on the fly doesn't always work out. So let's advance to the championship weekend. This upcoming weekend, AFC, we got Kansas City hosting Buffalo Bills. He played against the Bills. Yeah. Uh, NFC, we got the Packers hosting Tampa Bay. I mean, top-tier talent on both sides of the football. In the NFC, Tampa is hot. Captain America Tom Brady's playing some big-time football. <laughs> That I call, is. Him, I, I call him. I call him Captain, Captain America. Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but one player that I like to to highlight with you, Green Bay wise. You know, we just talked about Devontae, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones. You know that offense. But yo, they defense been balling, and they got a young, a young, a young dog in that secondary, Jair mm-hmm. Alexander. Alexander, who who don't play the radio. You know what I mean? No. This is a matchup solid. between the last Alexander and uh, Mike Evans. Man, what you, what you think about that matchup? I think that's gonna be a very that's gonna be a chess match. You know, I think it's gonna be a very very intriguing uh, matchup. I think in that game we will see a volume, uh, a lot of volume of, of a matchup. You know, because mm-hmm. you know Mike Evans is primarily an ex receiver, so he's outside, and Alexander is gonna pretty much be left and right, primarily the uh, the outside corner. So we will see what we've been wanting to see in this championship game. But I'm gonna take the edge on. I'm gonna give the uh, game like I told you, Green Bay they hot right now. I got them going to the Super Bowl. Ooh. Um, yeah, I got, I got Green Bay winning. Um, interesting stat about, I just think, I don't know, I just think that cold weather going to get to them, to them Buccaneers, man. I don't that know. Cold weather, yeah, they say it's going to be a chance of snow. I think it's like 10%, yeah. you know, 10 miles power wind or something like that. That's so, the, that's the kicker. It's the yeah. win. You yeah, know what it's mean? the win. The, yeah, the snow so, ain't an issue. It's the win when it comes to throwing the football. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a, a big factor because we know. You know, I've, I've been in BA offense, you know, uh, you know, doing those deep outs, you know, you know, those comebacks, you know, I think mm-hmm. that's going to be, uh, kind of difficult for them to do. So it's going to be kind of intriguing to see 
you know, how they attack this uh, Green Bay defense. But I think Green Bay come out on top. But I will love to see Tampa win because I I would love to see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl and also my guy Todd Bowles, B.A., Byron Left, which I would love to see all those boys in the Super Bowl. Larry Foot. They got yeah, a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just I think as far as the matchup, I think Green Bay will win. Though. I, I I think the line is three and a half right now. I'll take Tampa getting three and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect to see a lot of scoring based on the strong wins. So mm-hmm. I take Tampa, and then when it comes to the AFC, yo, I like Buffalo. I, I do too, man. I, I do like too, Buffalo. man. I don't know exactly what the line is, but me personally, I I take the money line and and and, and don't take any points with Buffalo. And I take Buffalo to win straight up, but I'll take the points if they're gonna give them to me. So I'm will right. take the points, but them Bills, bro. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you what, what, what my thing is with you know the Chiefs. I said this before; they always start hot. Yeah, the but Chiefs are minus three reason, right now. The Chiefs are minus yeah. three. But for some odd reason, they always just hit like this low, and like, and I think the Bills' offense, whew, they can't afford to have no low this game. No, I think can't. the Bill no, offense is so well-rounded far as the run attack, the pass attack, the dynamic attack that Josh Allen provides, the tight ends. I think this is this 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 going to be a game that they have to be clicking on all cylinders every single drive. You got to. You got to. Because mm-hmm. if Pat Mahomes is healthy – oh, by the way, I know you was because in the air all weekend. You, Pat Mahomes went to sleep. He I, got concussed. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I did. I, I did. I did see that. I did see that. I did see that. Okay. 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 Yeah, I did and, see that. <laughs> and, and also, too, this past weekend, Tyron Ty, Ty Matthew, front of the show, he came with a big, huge interception. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I yeah. hit him up. Right. I did see that as well. I hit my guy up, man. He having yeah. an unbelievable year and, and just continue balling. And for the gamblers that are watching us and listening to us, you might want to jump on that line right now because – Let's say they announce Pat Mahomes is not playing, right? Oh, because yeah. of the concussion. That line might change a little bit. It might mm-hmm. go from three to one and a half right. know, with the Bills getting points. So I think you should jump on that line right now before any news comes out about Pat Mahomes being available for this weekend matchup. So uh championship weekend. Yes, sir. Get, your, like pop, get your popcorn I, ready. And I'm not traveling this weekend, so I will be watching both of those. Oh, you're going to be on dry land. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be home this weekend. You next weekend I'm out though. Yeah, next following weekend I'm out. I'm out. I'm out of there. Oh yeah, you gonna be back in the air. <laughs> yeah, oh, back in the air somewhere, okay. going somewhere with, with my wife. Yeah, outside the championship weekend, big news coming out of Houston, the home of Slim Thug, Paul Wall, a lot of outstanding rappers, Scarface. Yes, but sir. Could be Beyonce. Hey, hey, Beyonce. It could be the former home of the Sean Watson. Yeah, yeah. Right now, he, he's, he's, yeah, he said he was on two. Dose. Now he on 10. He on yeah. 10. He on that dime alert. Yeah. Question for you. I know I have my answer. Do you believe Deshaun Watson will play for the Texans in 2021? Nope. I, smart man. <laughs> he will I don't not. Think so. No. Listen, I'm, I'm right. You, you, you can print the t-shirts. Oh, Deshaun yeah. Watson. Hey, you know what I just saw? What they just got? started a whole petition for him out there, yo. They trying to get he, him to stay. He's gone, man. They got the blind. They got the, hey, Pat P, have you ever seen two blind dudes try to walk across the street without a stick? No, man. That, that, that's an accident waiting to happen. Just no imagine two blind it. dudes trying yeah. to walk across the street without a stick. Yeah, I just that's, saw this, man. They got the blind leading the blind in that organization. The top of the yeah. organization, they have the blind leading the blind. They can do whatever petition they want. Yeah. That man is gone. Yeah, man, he out of there. I don't know who he's going to play for, but. Hey, I won't be surprised though 
if we see him in, in the 49ers uniform. No, I, I, listen, listen here. Oh, I'm going to knock my camera over. I'm sorry. <laughs> but listen here. Hey, real quick. I'm going to read you. I, I got I got an ideal team for this show. Okay, Watson. talk to me. <laughs> but I'm going to read you his tweets. We talked about what he said from, uh, you know, he tweeted, I was on two, then I took it to 10. That I, and that referenced his anger level. Uh, he was hot when they traded your new teammate, yep. DeAndre Hopkins. That, you know, pissed him off to some degree. Uh, Adam Schefter tweeted out, there's a growing sense from people in and around the Texas organization that Deshaun Watson has played his last snap for the team. It's early in the offseason. There's a lot of time left, but Watson's feelings cannot and should not be underestimated. He's reportedly upset with the Texans over several issues, including lack of involvement, in which they promised him lack of involvement and input when team hired new GM. And he also has a no-trade clause in his five-year, $156 million contract he signed last year. So he won't get traded until he said, yeah, I'm okay and being moved. So you right. said San Francisco, right? Yeah. I know a lot of experts, a lot of people are saying Miami, right? I got a better destination for Deshaun Watson. Talk to me. What better place would you Atlanta? want to be, want to see him thrive in than the media capital of the world? New, okay. York City, New York City to yeah. the Jets to the Jets. the Jets. And here's my logic with the Jets. Hear me out. You know they're going to want a handsome ransom for Deshaun Watson, right? Wow. They're going to want a lot. There are not a lot of teams that have the resources to be able to provide what the Texans would look in return in moving Deshaun. The Jets do. And I know Miami do, but I don't think Miami want to give the, 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 the Texans everything they're asking for. Mm-hmm. The Jets can give the Texans this year the number two pick, right? Mm-hmm. Number two pick. Remember, the Jets have two first rounders because they get that first rounder from Seattle in the right. Jamal Adams Jamal. trade. So they still right. got a trade, a first round in the, in the in the twenties, whatever the case may be. You mm-hmm. give the Texans number two pick. You give the Texans a first rounder next year because they will have two first rounders next year because the Seahawks gave them two first round picks. So they got yep. two first rounders they can give the the Texans this year. Top a top three selection next year. We don't even know what that pick would be. And Sam Donald. Mm. So you're basically giving the Texans three first rounders. Sam Donald was a top ten pick, but yeah. two two years ago, whatever the case may be, you give up the number the number two this year. Next year first round. Next year. And if you want a third, throw in a third or a fourth, whatever the case may be. So you essentially give them four picks that are yep. all high rounded guys in return for the services of Deshaun Watson. How that sound? Hey man, that don't sound bad at all, but I think it has to come with Oh, they, 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 uh, who, who is their coach again? Who they hired? Uh, they got, uh, Salah. Salah. Salah's from. From San Francisco to San DC. San Francisco. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Robert. Um, Robert. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it goes, I think it's going to come to, you know, who they get in there calling the plays. And I think that's going to be big. Oh, he, on... he brought, I thought he brought, uh, LaFleur. I think the passing game coordinator from, from San Francisco. So if he going to uh-huh. run anything like Kyle Shanahan runs in San Francisco, right. you put Deshaun Watson that type of offense? Oh, yeah. Lights out. Mike LaFleur is the guy. Yeah, Mike LaFleur. Mike LaFleur. That's, 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 uh, that's old boy. Um, uh, brother. Brother. Yeah. And then plus yeah. they, they've been coaching together for forever. For a long time. I think, yeah, I think, I think that'd, I think that'd be a great pickup for, for the Jets. I so think that really one, would for, for this, to go so, into, into the media, uh, capital. Man. I, ooh, and I heard Deshaun like New York as well. So this is what I would do if I'm the Jets. I package up that deal because the man is angry. He is, he's trying to James Harden his way out of Houston, right? right? Hey, so, <laughs> speaking of James Harden. Yeah. 
<laughs> that what was breaking got? news to me. I saw it, man. I'm on, oh. I'm on my ESPN app, right? Yeah. James Harden, 32 in the net, in the Nets debut. I said, what? Yeah, he had a triple dope. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, hey, man, hey, what, what hey, the hell have hey, I Hey, Pat playing? P, when you in the air as much as you Pat be in the air sometimes, <laughs> you know, you, you might not get all the updates. <laughs> you got to be on dry land. You got to be on dry land to get some more. Hey, man, my wife, my wife ain't working properly, man. My wife, my <laughs> yeah, he got, he got traded Wednesday. So you didn't know yeah. he got traded until after he played for the Nets. Yeah, so I got I got to Vail Thursday. Yep. And I saw yeah. the drone th- uh, Friday morning. I was like, what? I said, this got to be like a, a tight. And I've been hearing about it, but, you know, in the offseason, I'll be with the family, man. The, the no TV question. don't be on. I, I I get opportunity to, to decompress a little bit. No question. <laughs> go get go get some ice cream. Yes, sir. That's what we do all and get our nails done. No question. So so I think that 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 would be my ideal spot for Deshaun. I like that. And also too, you got to look at they got cap space. So you they know, I, I could be. Free. They got this. Would I if I'm the Jets? I trade away the number two pick. I still got a first round on the back end, but money wise, I go get Kenny Galladay. Happens you gotta get a receiver. Or Allen Robinson. Okay. Right? I use that first rounder that we got, maybe on the back. You know what I mean? Travis Etienne could be available. I think Najee Harris will be gone, but I, I definitely see at least two first round running backs go in the draft. Or I might move up. Or you might want to still add some more fuel to the fire, go get a guy like Jalen Waddle if he's available. Yeah, they so, nah, so you're off yeah. So you can have Deshaun Watson, Kenny Galladay. Allen or Allen Robinson or Jalen Waddle, along with the other resources you got in the draft and the other money you got available. Yeah, man, they, they, they definitely got to start get some guys up front on the defensive side. They need a secondary too. They yeah. need some pieces in the secondary uh, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, they, they need a lot. Yeah, I mean, this, this is not a one year one year makeover. Yeah, but I can tell you this bottom. much: you talk about post pandemic when you can have fans back in the stadium. That oh, bottom line is going to increase dramatically. Oh, yeah. You got Deshaun Watson and the Jets. have a lot more primetime games. I mean, Jets had too many primetime games in them when it was trash. Yeah. <laughs> it, it happens when you play in New York. You already know what that is. You know no about it, man. The perks, yeah, no the perks of where you play. Perks of mm-hmm. where you play. Hey, well, we just went through all the top news that happened this past weekend. And guess what? You guys weren't just fulfilled in on some of the breaking news. Our very own Pat P. <laughs> Pat P was filled in as well, not knowing Doug Peterson got the axe and freaking James Harden forces got truth. Now we're going to take a quick break. It's halftime, but on the other side, we'll be joined by Steve Smith Sr. Stay tuned. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. 
If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, All Things Covered listeners and viewers? You're back from halftime. Uh, we got a chance to make a few adjustments. We, we also added a member to our team. We promised you guys earlier in the show another outstanding guest. You guys know how we do it week in and week out. We will be providing you top-notch guests every week. And like I said, we have an unbelievable guy joining us here right now, All Things Covered, current analyst for the NFL Network, host of the Cut to It podcast. Subscribe now. You can definitely find it anywhere where podcasts are found, just like all things covered. 16-year NFL pro, five-time pro bowler, two-time first-team all-pro, in the Carolina Panthers Hall of Fame, and one of the best trash talkers to ever (laughs) do it, the outstanding Steve Smith joining us here on All Things Covered, man. I, I hope you, I hope you feel comfortable because you know you got two DBs and we probably gonna cloud. <laughs> you know what I mean? Since Pat, I'm gonna let Pat play at the line of scrimmage. I'm gonna play over the top, so I hope you okay with that. Man, I, <laughs> man, the, the only thing though, if I'm being honest, man, I, there was very rarely any time Pat had help over the top cover. Man. It was well, like, hey, I I gotta put myself in the game plan some somehow, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was hey. uh, it was unfortunately it was always chess match going against me. I I hate you know why I hated going against you, dog. Talk to me, man. Because we never have an opportunity to chat, man. Talk to me. Because of the studying I had to do, right? I I knew, you know, I knew what kind of player you were, um, you know, and uh, despite what people may think about me. Um, I'm actually, I respect a lot of, a lot of men. I respect a lot of men and, and one, I'm called to, right? By, by God. And, and I know my, my testimony necessarily doesn't always, uh, display that, uh, I'm a believer, <laughs> but I really am. Um, but I always respect it. I always respect guys that I went against. Now, my level of respect grew or decreased. Uh, as I bumped up, brushed up, went against guys. But a lot of times people think that, you know, I, I've heard people say that I got a huge chip on my shoulder and, you know, I got the short man syndrome. I, I've been this, I've been this size since, you know, for a very long time. So I'm, I'm pretty, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty confident in my, in my height department. But I think a lot of people don't realize that I had to go through a lot to get respect, you know, to play this game because it was the way, you know, I talked, I trash talked, people would think and slight me. And I think it's interesting, even now that I'm an analyst, the first thing people say, well, how many rings does he have? And it's like, so my rings or lack of rings disqualify my body of work, disqualifies my ability to study film. Mm -hmm. And then it's, well, he wasn't that good. He was on the sorry team. Okay. So that disqualifies my 15, six, you know, 14,000 yards. Like you don't just wake up and catch 14,000 yards. Just, right. like, just wake up and shut down receivers or make them study extra hard. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or, 
or having them, you know, when I studied you, bro, I, I literally watched the year I was playing and then a year, the following year or two years that I played you, uh, the year behind just to make sure, have I covered all my bases? What, where's the chink in his armor? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, where's his Achilles heel? Where's he going to give me a slight edge? And bro, I, I did it, you know, every couple of years. And damn it, I'm tired of it. I very, I, I didn't find too many chinks in your armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was always, it was always intriguing. It was always good uh, to go up against you. And I, I loved the psychological game that we would have. We that was the one. Right. Thing. Me and him never talked. I was just about we to rarely, say that. We rarely <laughs> talked to each other. It was so. It was like, it was like, lock in, right. Pat not gonna say nothing to me. I'm not gonna say nothing to Pat. Pat gonna grab me. I'm gonna push off. Hey ref, you saw that? And it was like it was so much respect, man. It was always right. it was always fun and irritating going against your good ass. Damn. Hey, hey, the crazy thing about it, I was gonna go back. I tell the story all the time. First game, first game, rookie year going up against you. You had a field day against us. Um. Cam Newton first game. Uh, so Larry, the whole week, he's like, man, don't talk to him, man. Do not talk to Steve Smith, man. I'm telling you, he's going to try to pull you into the game and try to lure you to sleep. Just that. And I'm like, all right, cool, man. I'll, I'll be all right. You know, if you talk trash to me, I'm, I'm a man. I'll be able to handle it. And like you said, when you, when we got in the game, I think you caught like a comeback on me and you said something. I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't nothing towards a trap. It was like, all right, young pup, something like that. And from that point on, it was just, like you said, it was nothing but respect. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and that helped bring bring the best out of my game. And I saw that brought the best out of your game. It was just, it was like a tug of war, tug and pull, yes. tug and pull, man. Was, and that's the great thing I love about going up against the best because those are things you remember, those yeah. conversations, those battles, those, like you said, studying moments. That's what I love about the game. And that's what I love about going up against greats like you. Well, what was crazy is you mentioned that a lot of times I, I there were times I really wasn't talking to you. Mm-hmm. Or my defender, unless a guy egged me on or kind of probed me. Because you right. know, I've noticed a lot of DBs play victims sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, he's talking mess. And so when I'm saying, all right, it's going to be all day, young pup. Well, one, because we have fell on the team. The fail, <laughs> right? LFU, uh-huh. he like, hey, I know I'm supposed to be on the same team, but I'm just telling you, <laughs> that, that young boy ain't no punk. And I'm like, well, first of all, who team you on, Ninja? <laughs> you know, and then um, so me doing that, a lot of times I would be talking out loud mm-hmm. to a about a guy, or like say I'm going against a guy and a guy try to jam me, right? And he and he come up and he lunge, and I catch it, I spin it, and I'm saying, I don't know why he's trying to bump you like that. Like I don't know why you were talking to, to yourself. Me. I was talking to myself because also when I'm training. When I used to train off season, I would be talking to myself. Right. I'm motivating myself because on that island, you ain't got no other help. No doubt about it. So I'm talking, you know, to myself out loud. You just happen to be in the area. I, I remember right. uh, who is it? Uh, Gerard Powers. Powers. Yeah, yeah. So we, he was telling me how when we played the Cardinals and somebody tried to tackle me. Uh-huh. And when he came to Baltimore, he was telling me that story. And I explained it to him, and he goes, I get it. Because I guess one of the guys tried to tackle me. And I literally, and I was like, this dude trying to 
This dude trying to cover me? They think he can cover you today? Right. <laughs> and I'm not really, that. I'm not talking. Right. I remember that. That individual. <laughs> but I'm, 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 I'm talking to me. And you spent the ball. I remember that. Yes. I'm <laughs> spending the ball and talking like, hey, because the next play, it's, it's still me out there again. Right. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. Hey, while we got you talking about the technical side of things, Steve, what was some of the things that you would pick up on corners that were trying to cover you? Like, a lot of people don't understand how cerebral the game is. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. just about physical skill sets and physical attributes, but the mental part is yeah. extremely crucial. But when you watching a guy, a corner, what were some things that you would pick up on that you that will put you in the mindset of, you know what, I can – I can get him on this route. I can get him on that route. What were you What were you looking about for? So here's the here's the uniqueness of me how I look at things as a player and also as an analyst. So when I look at a receiver, and I know you didn't ask me this, but I'm looking at a receiver, and they say, "Which quarterback do you want to play with?" The first question I have is, "Who's my offense coordinator?" Mm-hmm. Right, right, mm-hmm. because your offense coordinator tells you a lot. Right, right. So when I look at when I look at a DB. The first thing I look at is I look at the safety. The safety is going to tell me what that corner is doing. Mm-hmm. The safety's right. in the middle of the field and the other safety is down weak. Well, that means I'm literally, man, I'm literally air quotes right now, man to man. Mm-hmm. Now, as they rotate and he rotates up, I'm still looking now. So I look at the safety. Then I look at the linebacker. Mm-hmm. Then I look at the corner. And there have been times where I've told the corner, I know you're in cover six, so come on down, brother. <laughs> I'm disguising it. I already know what right. y'all are doing. Right. Come on down. Come, let's quit playing the games. Just come on <laughs> down to right, right here. Right? So that's what I look at. Safety, linebacker, corner. And then from that corner, but then prior to the game, I'm looking at the D coordinator. Is it a Leslie Frazier? Is it advanced Joseph? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, is it this guy who, you know, what is this guy potentially? What does he run? What does he like to run? And then I know, you know, the player that I'm going against, what is his attributes that, you know, what is his good attributes that he's very good at? And what isn't he good at? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and then what am I, what route am I running? So a lot of times I would change up if I'm supposed to, like I played P and, I'm supposed to run a comeback and I'll be lined up at the bottom of the numbers, inside the numbers, stem outside, run 18 yards and come back downhill straight to the, straight back to the ball. That's illegal in, y- in y'all's world. Right. But that gets me to make you think. And if you think, mm-hmm. that means you stop your feet. Right. Right. So, so just doing that. I know he knows that I know on old Carolina Panthers, third and 18, third and 15, third and base, 10, what am I running? Base route. I'm running a basic, a deep end. <laughs> I already right? know. <laughs> so I would do the deep end three ways. One, line outside, stem inside, straight up, wiggle, go across the middle. Yep. Actually four. So then I do come in, I do that Cadillac turn. Mm-hmm. Well, I hit that thing about 16 yards and I'm humming. You just roll into it. Yeah. <laughs> just roll into it. Hit yep. me before the hash. Cause right. if it ain't, I'm tackling the uh, interceptor. I'm not right. I'm making that head hunting. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Then the other part, I'll stem, I'll line up inside, stem out, straight up, wiggle, because I've already gave him a corner. A uh, I was just about to say that. I used to run I, seven to come back, too. 
Exactly. <laughs> Bang. And now I got, and now I can run inside. So I break all the rules that, that all these coaches have taught. Right. And then I'll just line straight up, run straight at him. He looking at me. I'm looking at him. He's like, you, what are you running? Oh, in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I would, and how I was able to do that is I learned as long as I keep the integrity and the depth of the route, mm-hmm. I can run it from anywhere. Right. And I can, I can run, I, I run a curl by stemming it outside, coming back, straightening it up and running back to the quarterback, pushing off mm-hmm. on P, catching it. He's looking at the referee <laughs> and, you know, hey. and he'll be like, all right, I got you. <laughs> hey, right? speaking of that, man. <laughs> You probably don't remember this, but it was second quarter going up uh, up against our sideline. It was like third and maybe five. It was uh it was three by one trips uh trips to the backside. Me and you down at the boundary. Joe Flacco gave you some center. I can't remember what it was, but you ran a, you ran a stop. But like you said, you stemmed outside. And Alec, you was gonna run that go and came back down. And I kind of like tugged your nine on your jersey and yeah. I broke up the ball. It was like Graffy, all of me, hey all of me, just see all of me, man. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but that just that's, goes into the tug of war of the game, man. Oh, absolutely. Oh, dramatic. Oh, so I'm hey, straight light skin. Ah. <laughs> hey. Hey man. I love it. Hey, well, so Steve, we're gonna move on a little bit about uh different scenes of football with me and yeah. Mac being from South Florida and you being from the West Coast. What you like talk to us about the scene of the uh, of that LA football, man. Well, I mean, it, it's obviously it's back in the mix. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, L.A. has always been a staple of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And now you have football, you know, but the thing is, they got to win. Yeah. Right? L.A. LA's a place, they'll ride or die with you, but if you ain't winning, mm-hmm. you know, they'll let you go. You see the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers, you don't even know that, that, that that's a football team out there just because of the attendance prior to COVID. Like mm-hmm. people weren't attending. They were in the soccer stadium, you know, what, 20,000? Right. Probably, probably it was like a away game for them every, every week. Right. So the, the, the football scene out there, but here's, here's something I don't think you know. Back in the eighties and nineties when LA was popping entertainment wise, mm-hmm. fo- the sports teams were unbelievable. Right. Back in the eighties and nineties, you had the Raiders. You had Showtime with the Lakers. Yep. yep. You had you had Oakland and LA going back and forth, back and mm-hmm. forth, right? Then you had the young uh, Darius Miles, Lamar Odom with the Clippers. Yeah. Right. And then you 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 know you had Jerome Bettis, uh, Lawrence Phillips uh, with the Anaheim and the Los Angeles uh, Rams. Mm-hmm. Right? So then you had uh, the '80s with Wayne Gretzky and hockey. Right. You got Tommy Lasorda, guy rest his soul with um with the Dodgers. Dodgers. Yep. You got the Angels, you know. So when LA sports teams are booming, yeah, LA is the place to be. No right? doubt about it's, it's it. Feeding, it's feeding the economy. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I I know you, you know, B Mac, you're over there frowning up your face a little bit, but that's just how that's just how the West Coast <laughs> is, you know? right? It's 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 California, Florida, and Texas. That's that's where the athletes come. That's that's where they are, man. Mm-hmm. No doubt, no doubt. And speaking of uh, your roots and everything like that, and we all know you as a wide receiver, right? But in high school, you played what running back and DB. What prompted the switch to wide receiver permanently? Well, in high school, I played DB, like you said, and I played H back, running back, 
We weren't throwing the ball, really. We didn't have really a good quarterback to throw the ball. And, you know, high school, you know, throwing the ball in high school is you're either doing it or it's extremely complicated. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I played DB. But what happened is I played an all-star game, and I was susceptible to double moves. I was, you know, I was antsy. <laughs> you were aggressive. <laughs> no, I, yeah. And, um, and so they switched me to wide receiver at junior college. Um, into the slot. And it was one of those things where I wanted to play. And I, I was used to playing DB. I like playing DB, but I also like playing. Yeah. So I had to make a decision, you know, am I going to gripe and complain or I'm going to just do this transition? And so, you know, looking back on it, the head coach was Robert Taylor, who, you know, just, he loved on me. He was a great, great man. Um, passed away, you know, probably about 10, 12 years ago, but he was also the same coach. He, he was there from, I believe he died in 2007. He passed away. He had been the head coach for Santa Monica Junior College from 1978 till the mm. day he passed. Wow. Right. You know, he coached me. He coached Chad. He coached Isaac Bruce. Mm. Right. But the thing is, is he gave a lot of young men who didn't have many opportunities coming out of high school, a legitimate opportunity to get a college scholarship to go on and try and attempt to play professional sports, but also get a a college education. Mm -hmm. I knew from the very beginning is we didn't have money for for college. So Mm -hmm. I had to get there somehow. Um, and, you know, my mom, being who she is, she was like, look, you ain't going to sit at the house and do nothing. You got right. to uh, enroll in school or get a job or move out. Mm. So I had a job. I enrolled in school and I moved out. <laughs> <laughs> Did all three. No question. <laughs> Hey, well, speaking of Santa Monica, you as teammates with Chad Johnson, how did you yeah. guys uh, get along, man? How, how, was, how was those trash talk battles? No question. Who's the best trash talk? <laughs> I mean, actually, Chad. So the unique thing about Chad, you know, Chad, Chad and myself, we all quick with it. But Chad was a bounce back from, I think, Livingstone and Livingston College. And his grandmother has sent him to L.A. to let, you know, to kind of shape up and live with his mom. And what's interesting is Chad was a Florida dude. And, you know, B-Mac, like, Back in the 90s, like, that was when East Coast and West Coast beef was thick. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, he came out with the f- flamboyant clothes and the loud clothes and talking mm-hmm. about this Florida. And, you know, you West Coast, you're like, bro, this ain't Florida. If you want to be yeah. a Florida, go back to Florida. This is L.A. Mm-hmm. And, and so, really, you know, Chad has always been Chad. Right. But it was, it was that time where, you know, he was a Florida cat trying to make it in L.A., and he did, and he was. But he it was against odds for him because of, at the time and the climate, man, you know, it, it wasn't this East Coast, West Coast, down South. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't being accepted. Mm-hmm. It was one of those places where it was like, yeah, you know, that's the Florida dude. It was like, nah, bro, like, take that somewhere. Yeah. It, it, was, it was unique and fun, though. It was fun, and it was some of the – Best time that I learned about ball um, and learned a lot and experienced a lot because we were a talented bunch of guys who had no direction. (laughs) (laughs) But super talented. No doubt about it. We had no direction. (laughs) No direction. Yeah. And because of that talent. For the both of y'all. 
No question. It panned out well for both of them, right? No, no legitimate complaints here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, but so Steve, because of your success, you know, at Santa Monica, you ended up going to Utah. Yeah. Um, you know, and was successful there as well. But what advice would you give young scholars that have to go the junior college route? You know, what advice would you give them, you know, being able to fulfill their dreams and get to the level in which you got to? I, I really think right now, just the way everything is, if I can go backwards, the one thing I, you know, and I'm, I, I, I do business and pay attention, pay attention to your school. And I, and I understand and I get this is not your final destination. I respect that. However, there are some men and women and people and institutions that you are going to be able to use this well beyond football. Mm-hmm. So don't look at it as a pass through or you just, you know, you just grabbing a cup of coffee because if you do it right, some of these men and women and institutions that have given you an opportunity, one, they will call on you to return the favor. And this is the favor I'm pertaining to, to is, I was able to go to the University of Utah during college because a complete stranger donated money to a either public uh, institution for endowment uh, or scholarship that didn't know the knucklehead that they've invested in and didn't know that the school was going to pay for this guy. And so without those random acts of kindness, that complete stranger, I would have never been able to go to those schools. I would have never had that opportunity. So I think really saying that you need to focus really on your studies, grab something that you can use because no matter how long, even look at Tom Brady, 43 years old, he still has so much more life to live after his career right. is over and, and reading and writing and conducting yourself and being able to look at a PNL and a sheet and um, read contracts and understand things. You're not going you can't wish that upon yourself. You have to learn that. And, right. and your education and the institutions will and can provide that. And also don't burn no bridges at the institutions you're at. Because mm-hmm. at some point you're gonna grow up and have children, and you're gonna want your kids, if they have the opportunity, to wear that same badge of alumni that you have. You know, none of my boys actually play football. And so I know if my Utah doesn't have a soccer team, but I know because of my influence and also commitment to the University of Utah, I believe they would at least offer them because I'm heavily active. I'm on a um, athletic advisory board. I'm always involved. Every time I go to Utah, I'm always stopping by, just seeing how things are, stopping by practice, uh, saying hello to the guys. I'm, I'm never too big or too important to go back there because I love the fact, you know, when I get up on a Saturday morning, one of my kids is wearing a, a Utah shirt that the school sent me, right? That, that, uh, or football, we play fetch with our dog and we use one of the kid footballs that used to be one of our kids, man. That's for me, that's priceless. That's right. what, that's what I love about it. That's, that's what I, I have so much pride for my school, even though other guys may not They're like, Oh, that's Utah, but Utah chose me. Right. No doubt. Man, speaking of priceless moments and, and, and cherishing, you know, people, mm-hmm. your third year you made it to the Super Bowl and came up close against the New England Patriots. Yeah. How much did you cherish that group in that season? I didn't cherish it as much as I probably should because I'm so goal-oriented. 
that I, I was focused on that. Hey, we need to do this so we could be, you know, be ready for the Super Bowl or the, or the NFC championship game or the divisional game. So I didn't really appreciate that much because just the way I was, uh, my makeup. But like everybody else, I thought this year we make it. We didn't, we'll be back next year. And next year, you know, guys got, you know, guys got picked up, guys got re-signed to other teams because we went to the Super Bowl and people wanted that championship type of atmosphere in their locker room. Mm-hmm. So going to the Super Bowl, whether you win it or lose it, has a residual effect on everybody in the building. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and you know, both of y'all know, man, sometimes that dude was on the Super Bowl team, a winning team, but that brother didn't contribute as much as <laughs> You know, right. So it's like, I mean, I know there's some guys I know walking around here in Charlotte or in, in other places, even back home that uh, and they got Super Bowl rings. And, and even with my podcast, you know, you have you guys know you have people say, ask you, man, would you trade it all for a Super Bowl? And realistically, and I'm not trading 16 years going to get some of the best guys in the world. Um, traveling the world and seeing football in a different perspective to get a ring that at the end of it, yeah, it was great, but my damn direct TV bills, they don't, they don't give me no discount because I, because I got it for a black one. You know, it doesn't right. change. So at all, I, I, I mean, it's one of those things I, I appreciate more of what I got to experience and I didn't get the experience of winning the Super Bowl. Like I got the experience of a lifetime that I wouldn't change a dude winning two Super Bowls, playing for, you know, playing for 10 years, playing, starting five and riding the bench for five more. Uh, I'm no. good. Right. <laughs> well, after that Super Bowl run, I mean, expectations were extremely high, you know, for yeah. the Panthers and for you as an individual. But you had an ugly season-ending injury, right? And then in 2005, man, that's – you took over. I think what you led the league in receptions, uh, receiving Y'all, yards, receiving touchdowns. Yeah. Only Jerry Rice and Sterling Shop, the only two other pass catchers to do that, wide receivers to do that. So what clicked for you, Steve, mentally and physically coming off that season ending injury in 04? What clicked for you in 05 to be able to dominate like you did? One of the interesting things is when I broke my ankle, that's when they didn't, you know, they didn't have the IR designation to return. Mm-hmm. So they kept me they kept me out as injured, and then at some point they had to make a decision that I can't come back, and so they had to put me mm-hmm. on IR. And what what was really intriguing was I, I, you know, I broke my ankle, tore the ligaments in the inside and outside, and it was a long, agonizing healing process. I wasn't allowed to rehab till like till the next year. Mm-hmm. So I, I I had to have the I got a screws and then sewn up my ligaments so. I had the healing of the break and then the healing of the torn repaired ligaments. What really triggered it is Musa Muhammad, great friend of mine, big brother, man, he was balling and the, the world kept going. Mm-hmm. They, they, I, they started losing the, you know, one or two games I was gone, but then after that, they went on a run mm-hmm. and, and missed the, and, and missed the playoffs. But I was like, Man, I'm not that valuable. And so when I when I was able to start training and I train with my guy, and I train with my guy, it's like, no, they're gonna they gonna miss me. Like the next time I get injured, 
there's going to be a glaring absence mm. when I'm not there anymore. And at the time I was about two years in of, I had my own sports psychologist that I had, I had hired who was a golf guy. And so I was doing sports psychologist back in February, 2000, 2002, 2003. I had six or seven months of just <clears throat> about my, you know, about daily, monthly, short term, long term, lifetime goals. So what really clicked for me is this wasn't just a lifestyle. It was who I was professionally in a way of we're not just here to run routes. We're just not here to catch passes. And we're here to play. We're here to I use I don't really like using the word career. I use it as a job. And the reason I say job is I know I'm saying it is a career, but I meant job is like, you know, now as an adult, I say, I hear as a dad and all that stuff. I hear, you know, a job is where you clock in. But for me is none of the folks I grew up with had the kind of job that I had. A lot of them were, you know, they worked, they clocked in, they did their job. They didn't really respect it. But for me, like I never really had a job. I, you know, I worked at fast food, but so when I, when I, when it clicked a career and job, man, it was, I looked at ball different. I, I, I approached it differently. I approached practice with so much intensity. I approached the game with so much intensity. I, you know, we watch them film and give me, give me everything. I don't know. Just give me the little, you know, cut ups that we're going to watch on Wednesday and watch the same <laughs> orange club clips on Thursday. I used to be in meeting. I already watched this yesterday. Give me something new. All right. <laughs> I, you know, I watched it. We watched that yesterday. Give me, give me cover two. Give me cover three. Give me six. Don't just show me the plays that you want me to believe, you know, you want me to watch. Or I'll be like, hey, we don't have Drew Brees. So uh, right. don't, I ain't Marcus Coaster. Y'all ain't got me running these exotic routes. So don't show right. me plays we ain't running. Show me the weak ass in route that I'm running. Against Patrick Peterson, don't show me Drew Brees running it where he did this and did that. I don't want that. Right. I, want, right. I want fantasy life. I want the real boring ass offense that we run. Right? <laughs> and I would challenge the coaches in that way because one, if you're a player, you're just sitting there, you go, oh, okay, this is what he's supposed to do. And then you get in the game and he does something different. Right. And now you stuck like Chuck. And then right. like, you ain't very good. Right. Yeah, the, yeah. Coaches, the coach is gonna be out there. Yeah. Yeah. I gave coach, info. coach ain't going, yeah, you know, yeah, That's we didn't bad. really show him that, you know, right. so it's my fault. That's what comes to being a pro. You yeah. know, it comes with being a pro, man. Hey, but with you making the transition over to the media, we had a little bit of time to chat about it before we started the show. How do you approach carefully critiquing the players in the league and the people that you've known for a long time? Well, I mean, I, I approach it the same way. You play well. I'm gonna say, man, I love watching them play. Mm-hmm. But I, I gotta call you out when if I, you know, I got I got about three or four accounts where I can get statistics. And if I'm sitting there watching you play, and yeah, you got five picks for the year, but when targeted, it, your your target percentage is sixty seven percent. Mm-hmm. Bro, 67% when targeted, yeah. that ain't bold. Right. Where I'm from, we call that a prom date. 
right? Why you call it a prom date? Hey, you know why I'm calling it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, okay, how about this? If I tell y'all the Powerball is that whatever it is, and if yep. you buy for $1, you have a 67% chance of winning $200 million, are you going to look at me and go, no, nah, I'm good. You're going to go nah, for a dollar. Damn a dollar, give me seven. I'm, I'm going. <laughs> you know, so when I look at film, I, I allow the film to create my opinion about you. Yeah. So if I'm watching film and they say, Man, he's, he's a good player. But I'm watching film, I'm going, well, he has lazy hips. He's always grabbing. And when targeting, this is this you ain't great, right? You may be good or you may be having a good year. That's just like a wide receiver. He can't catch, but he runs great routes. That's a tight end. Right. It used to be the old tight ends. Right. Right. So when I watch film, man, I'm watching film and then I'm getting statistics. Uh, TV, my producers do not feed me what they want me to say. Um, I say how I feel, and the only thing they say is, well, Steve, you know, especially for me, they're like, well, you may not want to say it like that. <laughs> um, like, I, I took my – I put my foot in my mouth this year. I'm not really a huge Baker Mayfield fan however, because he plays the narrative as us, you know, he's always playing victim. Oh, nobody – everybody's counting us out. It, they're not counting you out. They're not counting out the, the Bears. They're just counting out the quarterback who has shown that he's inconsistent, mm-hmm. right? They're counting out the guy who at times at critical moments does some Baker type of stuff, right? Throws a pick, going for a fourth and one, a third and one, and fumbles the ball, right? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Now, Baker has done it this past Sunday. Man. Play ball. He played, he played well. ball. He did. Now, yeah. now the question is, if he continues to play Baker type of football and let Coach Stefanski continue to put him in great positions by running the ball and isolating him and allowing him to do that one or two read and then take off, he's right. not a traditional quarterback who goes methodically through all four or five of his reads. He's a one or two read quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's what our film study says. So people say, well, he was a Heisman. He was this at Oklahoma. Yes, he was. But when I'm watching a game and he does this, looks and takes off running, that's a one read quarterback. Yeah. Right. And I got a 65, I got a 55, I got a 25 inch TV. They all look the same no matter where. <laughs> if you do this and then take off running, one read. You only look at that one, one progression. Read. You look at, at that one eight, progression. Well, HD, you know, a Blu-ray, whatever, whatever. What like like the podcast, wherever you get your your podcast, it's there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Speaking of uh quarterbacks, you know, one of your former teams, the Baltimore Ravens, took a loss yeah. uh, to the Buffalo Bills, and Lamar Jackson has been getting a lot of criticism. They've oh, been I very, know. very critical. <laughs> Of Lamar Jackson, kind of deserving so because he was the MVP last year. But my personal opinion, I would love to hear your offensive expertise. A young quarterback can only do so much 
with number twos and number threes. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You look at you look at the growth of Josh Allen. You look I, I, at the growth yeah. of Josh Allen from last year to this year. Individually, he has improved, no question, right? Absolutely. But a lot of his improvements have come from What's having a proven number one to oh, throw yeah. the football to in Stephon Diggs. And right now in Baltimore, they don't have an ideal number one wide receiver that can help the growth of Lamar Jackson. What, you, what, what are your thoughts about that? So I think you're missing the, cre- the, the, the key ingredient. Josh Allen has improved, yes, because they have Stephon Diggs. However, you didn't think Stephon Diggs would lead the league in receptions by the way he played in Minnesota because of the creativity of the offensive coordinator. Right. So when I look at Hollywood Brown, who when they drafted him in the first round, mm-hmm. he was maybe 110. That's like after Thanksgiving, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, when we watch Hollywood Brown in Oklahoma, he was running all over the field. Right. The the Baltimore Ravens start their their receiver. First of all, be, is their their tight ends coach is Bobby Ingram, former wide receiver for the Seattle Chicago Bears, the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. Yep. And he's there. He's their tight ends coach. That's why they have some of the best tight ends in the game because they have a coach that understands the blocking scheme, but also understands how to run routes. Mm-hmm. Now, Mark Andrews is an excellent tight end, all pro. But when you pair him with Hollywood Brown and Lamar Jackson, and if you go back and watch the film, Buffalo was in zone coverage, and they're running two-man routes. They're running. Which I didn't, un- I didn't understand. Right? A tight end and a speedy young receiver – and they run his own coverage. And you wonder why Lamar can't throw it because one, no one's open. And it's right. not because those guys can't get separation. You're not putting them in a good position, right? Utilize what Hollywood Brown did in college. Mimic that. You've mimicked what kind of offense you run for Lamar Jackson. So mimic the same passing game to help your young wide receiver. Who's light in the pants? Get him, get him in motion. Get him running some flares. Get him out in space and allow right. him to use his, utilize mm-hmm. his speed. But they don't do that. What mm-hmm. what they're doing is they've created an unbelievable run game, but a average pass game. Yeah. It's elementary, to be honest. Yeah. I agree. So you you saying it's more scheme than anything? I'm saying it's everything. Yeah, because. Yeah. If you got a Phillips head in Hollywood Brown, but you got a flathead screw in a passing game, they don't mix. is that screw going to screw in? <laughs> no. no. You can try to you can try to uh, 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 strip it, but it ain't gonna work. <laughs> ain't gonna work. And guess what? That's what happened with them. And they're yeah. saying, "Well, those guys don't get separation." It doesn't matter if you got Jerry Rice out there. At some point, Jerry Rice needs help getting him open when the defense has a pretty good plan against you. Yeah, no doubt. And that's the problem. And Lamar is in this place where they're making him one-dimensional where we're going to stop the run, now beat us with the pass. Unfortunately, their pass game is suspect. It's simple. And but – 
So here, so I'm glad you said that. So I have a question for you. This is a billion, million dollar industry. Billions of dollars in the league, millions of dollars being made by the players. And you got a $5 route tree. Doesn't make any sense. But you know what? From the technical side, from the technical side, you know, you see that, we see that. But a lot of naysayers don't see that. Mm. You know what I mean? And they don't understand the game. You got a simplified offensive passing scheme and you have a limited amount of legit pass catchers that help your quarterback. I mean, this upcoming season, I think they need to start becoming more strategic in their offensive game plan Mm -hmm. and also acquire some guys that can help your young quarterback continue to grow. Like prime example out there with Pat Pete. Kyler Murray's a stud, but Kyler Murray's a better stud when he's throwing to DeAndre Hopkins. No doubt about it. But you found out he was a stud day one. No question. Mm -hmm. And the same can be said for Lamar Jackson. And he is he is a stud. Yes. Here's the question. Is he a stud in the pass game? No, not yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not, not yet. Is, is he going to – bro, it's, it's third and five. Here, here's the here's play that got me. It's third and five. You run a quarterback sweep? Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, so, man. Can you run you <laughs> that to the boundary? To the boundary. You ran it to the boundary. That's how stupid. Right? <laughs> so here's the thing. So you telling me when you drafted Hollywood Brown, you telling me that he couldn't win on a slant? Right. A slant? Or you going to speed up? A sprint speed up. A freaking That's whip. my whole. <laughs> yeah, they ran that. They ran that quarterback sweep to the boundary. I thought I was watching part one of football. Man, that's that's my thing. Like, but they're not gonna. The media aren't isn't gonna ask questions like that. They're not gonna say, "Hey, did you think running the sweep to the boundaries was a smart move?" They're not gonna say that. No, right. they're gonna say, "Oh, well, the the left tackle got beat." And the left guard got beat. Well, of course he did because they already ready and prepared because they have an analytics, they have analysis, they have right. scouts, and they have coaches that said, hey. When they come I in this know, formation, boom. I'm in this formation, I know it's to the boundaries, but they yeah. stupid enough, they're going <laughs> to run into the boundary. <laughs> and when they said Sid Hunt, they're going, they can't be running. They going to the boundary. <laughs> and that's what happens. No doubt, no doubt. Hey, Steve, so we about to switch to our superlative part of the show. We're going to hit you with rapid-fire questions. Okay, okay, I want okay. With your honest, unbiased answer. So my number well, one for I'm you. I'm going to be honest. Oh, we already know. We already know no that. My it. number one for you, top five NFL players under 5'10". Mm. Ever. Oh, ever. So my top right ever. now, I got to say, you know, goes to the guy that um, I was – I grew up watching him. Uh, he was on my recruiting trip coming out of college, uh, Henry Eller, mm. right? Um, and then I got uh, – right now I got the cheetah, Tyree Hill as well. Yep. Um, um, I don't know if necessarily uh, – you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty comf- comfortable and confident that I know I'm 5'9", 3 fourths, but is Julian Edelman under – 5'10", or is he a little bit? I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, think, I think I think he, he might is be under at 5'10". 5'10". I think he might be just at 5'10". Okay, so Julian Edelman, I, I love mm-hmm. Julian. I, I love Edelman, to be honest, man. I just yeah, love how he plays. Yeah. Um, he a football player. Yes. I'm not about it. He a ball um, player. You know, Wes Welker. Okay. Mm-hmm. Walker. Um, Deion Branch, I like the dirty. Um, okay. And then one, though, I don't know if he is, but I just grew up watching him, too, as a – Eric Metcalf, man. Oh, 21 Cleveland Browns. 
it just, it was a lot of different guys. And then, um, and then actually the dude that really gave me fits, man, but I respected him and I knew I needed to be that guy and be on my P's and Q's, man. Al Harris for the, for the uh, Green Bay Packers. Green Bay. Al was, he, Al, Al was just one of those guys that I just had to be on my P's and Q's. He, he'll jump you. He'll play press. He'll play catch. He just did a lot of different stuff. Yo, his length was something that you couldn't coach. No. He was a long, rangy corner. Yeah. Yeah, and he used it to his ability. He knew his strengths, and, boy, he maximized that skill set that he had with that length. Next question for you. Who is your favorite wide receiver currently still in the playoff? I like it. You know, Devontae Adams is just doing a hell of a job, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the craziest things is Devontae doesn't get a lot of credit because he has this, he has this ace in a hole called uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Right. And Aaron Rodgers uh, has made a lot of players say like a la Javon Walker. Mm-hmm. Jay Walk, Florida State guy. Yeah. Made, he, he, he's given them an opportunity where you go, man, he can play. And then those guys sometimes go to other teams and don't have the same pro- production. Yeah. But the way Devontae Adams is playing, how he's done it and quietly, Yes, he's benefiting from pl- playing one of the best quarterbacks, but he's still giving dudes that business on the, in the route game. So you, you I, I love watching him play. I'm really impressed with Chris Godwin dealing with the finger and all mm-hmm. that stuff. He's a speed guy who has really harnessed his route running ability um, pretty good, pretty fast. Yeah. You know, obviously with um, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley. I like uh, Gabriel Davis. He's really uh, doing really well. With the young Bills. fella from uh, UCF, I'm not mistaken, yeah. with the Bills. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, you know, obviously Mike Evans, uh, you know, I, I don't mention him just because he's a staple. He's like, you yeah. know, it's like when you need – Mike Evans is like peanut butter and jelly, bro. If you, you want to – you're hungry, you know, you always get filled up with a P, PB&J, right? That's what Mike <laughs> Evans is, right? No um, doubt. And then, you know um, – and then, obviously, um, I'm, I'm really impressed with Tariq Hill, but I, w- I want to see a little bit from Mikael Harmon um, and see what he's doing and can he take his route game to another level and not depend on all his speed as much. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, when guys depend on their speed and when their speed starts to leave them and they have to learn how to run routes, they're at an age where it's too late and they start to get phased out. So that, that's the only thing I, 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 I try to emphasize to speed guys is, man, that's great. You know, can you run routes? Make mm-hmm. sure you improve your route game. Cause when your speed goes, you, you got to be able to lean on something else. No question. Is there a young receiver that reminds you of you? No, not nobody, nobody close. If you had, if you had to pick one, you can. Here's why I say no is because let's be honest, and I, I, it took a long time for people to respect my game. Mm-hmm. Being honest, and I don't want to say, "Oh, this guy reminds me of myself." That guy reminds me of him. Yeah. If I use Tariq Hill as an example, he wants to go on. If he can continue to keep doing what he's doing, he wants to go in the Hall of Fame, not as Steve Smith, as his own name. As Tariq Hill. As Tariq Hill. So, <laughs> I. I I, I, that's why I say there's nobody reminds me of myself because there's also some things that those guys can do that I can't. And so I'm not going to be, 
you know, selfish and say, man, that guy reminds me of me. Cause I, I've seen me. Now, I ain't no part of Tariq here remind me of myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ain't, no doubt. Ain't, ain't none of that for whatever remind me of myself. He, that's, that's all him. <laughs> hey, you said it the right way for whatever. We don't even yeah. know what he running, but we know it's for something. It, it ain't my, it ain't on my clock. <laughs> <laughs> He's one on one, one of one when it comes to that element. Abs- absolutely. And, and so I, I just hate hearing that because I also don't want to take, man, these young, these young men are building their own careers, their own legacy. Okay. You know, and I, and I, and I really believe and letting those guys build their own legacy um, yeah. because it is important. It is, I don't like the comparison. Like, it ain't no Randy Mosses. It ain't no other Randy Mosses out there. Randy yeah, Moss, I don't think we'll ever be another Randy Moss either. Exactly. It yeah. may be another, the next guy, but it ain't yeah. going to ever be another Randy Moss. No question. Well said. Last question for you here, superlative part of our show. Your dream podcast guest, who is it? Mm, it's a great question. Who is it? Your dream podcast guest. Currently right now? Yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard. Ooh. Respect. Super consistent. Mr. Consistent. And why would he be your dream podcast? Is it is it a personal fan favorite for you? You grew up as a fan or oh, I mean, what, I, what's that connection? No, I mean, growing up a fan, I was a Pernell Whitaker fan, you know. Mm-hmm. But be, my podcast cut to it is is it's a different podcast and um I love to figure out the individuals. Yeah. What makes them tick? What were they going through when they made that great catch? You know, I know P, you know, he's uh how he's had to deal with adjusting to diabetes. Mm-hmm. Right? What has that been like? What was the transition? What was he doing? What led up to him getting that test? Of diabetes, what what was what what was he going through? All of that to figure out what led to getting the test, and then when he received the information, how has he changed his his lifestyle? Like that's man, that's the uniqueness of me. That's why I want. I don't want to know what was it like making that catch. I want to know what was going on in your heart. What negative conversations were you having when? And before the moment and in the huddle when the coach was telling you, to, the coach was telling you to play, you're getting a signal and you're lining up and you're going and you have that negative thought or that positive thought. Take me through that. That That's that's why on my podcast, we kind of talk about that. I don't really talk about ball. I want to know the individual inside the shirt, inside the hat. That That's what I love to do. That, that's yeah. the uniqueness of it. That's why. For me, Sugar Ray Leonard, because I want to hear, you know, I grew up in, I was, I was born in 79, so I grew up in the 80s and 90s where, where boxing was a big deal. Was a big deal. And, and it was a, you know, you box twice a year, right? Yeah. And, and I want to know the, the training regiment, the, the, the psychology of what he went through and how he went through and what he experienced, what he didn't experience, man. That's why I want to know, you know, what was it like when you, you know, one one in Olympics, or what was it like when you went through the Olympics? What was it like when you first first beat? Um, uh, um, you know, just all the things that he went through. What was it like being a black Olympian in the eighties and nineties? I grew up. You know, we went through the L.A. riots. Reginald Denny, Rodney King. I, um, I, I, I was 
I didn't I could not understand and rationalize what that was going on as a young man. So now as a man as 42 and lived some life, that would screw me up today. No question. And I want to know like those things. Question. That's deep. That's what's up. The versatility of being able to communicate. Yeah. And be informative at the same time. That's a blessing. That's a blessing, man. Well, we, that wraps it up, man. We appreciate you joining us here on All Things Covered. Before we let you go, is there anything you want to plug? Anything oh. you got going on? You talked about the podcast. What else you got brewing? Man, one of the things uh, through my foundation, uh, the Steve Smith Family Foundation here in Charlotte, North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, there are over 5,000 children that are homeless in the public school system. Wow. And virtually, you know, virtual virtual school has been extremely tough for them because think about it. And when you say what's homeless, homelessness here under the McKinley Vento Act law here in North in Charlotte, North Carolina, that means that you live, you don't have a permanent residence. You either live with a family member, you're sleeping in a car, you know, you're living in a extended stay, a hotel motel. And so we have taken on the responsibility of, We've rented out some office space. Now we have the luxury of renting out a part of a school here in North Carolina. And we are providing uh, with the CDC guidelines enough space, social distancing. But we have staffed about 12 to 14 teachers assistants who now have jobs, uh, who are laid off. And they're helping these kids learn virtually and figure out because usually when these kids are going in the summertime, when it's called the summer layoff, well, they usually lose about, they say it's equivalent. Statistics tell us that the two months that they're off for summer break, it equivalent, it gives you about four months of lack of education. Wow. So this pandemic hit, how many months? Oh, they're in years. We got first graders who can't count to 20. Wow. We got kindergartners who can't count to 10 and they're virtually trying to figure it out. And so we have teamed up and partnered with the local community and with, with people and with CMS, Charlotte Mecklenburg school, school system to give these kids, these homeless kids an opportunity to get education, to learn, to not fall behind even more than they already are. And so uh, that's what we're doing here in Charlotte. Um, through my foundation, through some great people. And to be honest, bro, it's literally like a almost a half a million dollar project. Wow. Because we're feeding these kids because we're also providing lunch and breakfast because mm-hmm. yeah. we're also cleaning, you know, cleaning up and making sure that we have, have zero teachers at our virtual learning academy. And we also are employing people who haven't had jobs because there's no schools for them to go to. Right. And in our philosophy and our, and our mission statement for our virtual school is math and reading transforms lives. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what we're doing. I think it's important because I know the struggle here in Charlotte, the kids in Charlotte aren't the only people that struggle. No question. So that's what we're doing. And, um, you know, and I and I encourage people to figure out what's going on in your school district. Yeah. Where these kids where are these kids getting meals, where are they getting served, 
And also, too, I don't know if you know, but do you know how penitentiaries get the statistics to keep growing and building more penitentiaries? By third grade testing scores. They know, they know that. They know your third, third grade testing scores. They know that if you're struggling in the third grade, what's the chances of you improving in high school? That's how they're getting their statistics. So, you know, so it's just not, you know, looking apart, man, making sure you're doing your part, giving these young men and women the opportunity to get educated, to, to really go and be effective because the kids in this generation with COVID-19 right now, they don't feel like they can be the generation that prevailed through COVID-19. They, they, they feel like they're the worst generation, but they actually are the generation that can change because they have dealt with unprecedented times, but they don't feel that way. And we need to support them and get them to know, because when me and you get old, those are the kids that are going to be looking out for us and improving and being the next scientist and being the next president and being the next lawyer, district attorney, senators and congressmen. No doubt. That's a good thing. What's the website? Uh, Steve Smith family or Steve Smith FDN.org. Okay. There you have it. Listeners and viewers, make sure you give Steve Smith a check out, man. That's, that's a real unique thing you're doing there. And hopefully, you know, that can spread throughout our country because there are a lot of kids that are in dire need of that type of help and attention that you're giving them. So I'm, I'm pretty, I know the people in Charlotte are loving what you're doing and they'll support you 110%. Steve Smith, uh, senior, uh, 16 year NFL pro, five time pro bowler, two time first team all pro currently analyst for NFL network. Make, make sure you check them out weekly on their dropping big time jewels. Also his own podcast, Cut To It Podcast. Keep doing what you're doing, man. It's a pleasure having you on. Appreciate it. We got to get you you guys on there, man. Hear, hear your stories about who you are, man. Uh, no no doubt. No doubt. Anytime, man. Anytime. Just, just shoot me a quick text. You already know the number. Thanks again to Steve Smith Sr. And thanks to everyone listening to this episode of All Things Covered. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back with you next week where you can expect all things to be covered. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.